Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold. This week, we have part two of my discussion, my interview, my love fest with Sharon Gless. And I hope you enjoyed part one. You have to get her book. This this woman's life is incredible. And it's just full of, I can't do the accolades. The, the, The stories are just fascinating. And who she is is fascinating. And... I just loved it. I'm, I hope you enjoy. It was such an honor for me. Sit back. I always say that, but I mean it. I want you to sit back and relax. And, you know, if you're on the treadmill, the bike, whatever you're doing, enjoy. You had many jobs. You were a, sold aluminum siding. You were a switchboard operator. You worked at a bank. You worked at uh, two ad agencies, Young and Rubicam and Gray Advertising. You were a script girl. Script supervisor, right. The aluminum siding story. Can you please tell it? And it was Johnny Carson's, like, favorite story. Yes. I didn't know that he loved aluminum siding stories, but you know, they do those previews before you do the talk show. and Yeah, they do a pre-interview. Yeah. Right? And I, I mentioned the aluminum sides. Like, oh, God, you got to tell the story. Well, when my when I got there to the Y, I knew I needed to get a job. So my mother told me to get a paper and look for the want ads. So I did. And this ad said, want to make big money? I said, yeah, I do. So I got dressed up. And the only suit I had packed was this pink linen suit with a white linen collar and I had my hair back in a ponytail with a pink ribbon and I went down and I got on a bus and I went way downtown in the bowels of Seattle to this aluminum siding um, factory and I walked in and this guy it was a dump guy said yes can I help you I said yes I'm applying for the job in the paper and um, he said Stay right here and move. I said, okay. And I heard him go around this tin wall. And I heard him say, you guys aren't going to believe what's out here. So I'm applying for the job in her pink linen suit. And I got hired that day and I went out with him. I tried to sell aluminum siding. I didn't know what the fuck aluminum siding was. <laughs> I, had to, I tried to sell it to a brick house. And that's real. That's the most hilarious. <laughs> I know. You would knock on the doors and then, and, and. Oh, uh, yeah. They, these poor women. It was in the Boeing Aircraft Center. These, it was like, a, it was like a, a movie. There'd be these moms with the baby at well, the leg and one on the arm and an iron. And I'd say, I'm sorry, would you be interested in buying a little site in your house? Because I was taught to be very polite. Right. And they, I love and how you start with, be, I'm sorry. You're trying oh, to sell yeah. something and you're sorry like, I'm to sorry. You. Yeah. I'm sorry to bother you. Would you be interested in buying aluminum siding for your house? Please go away, they'd say. Say, I'm sorry I took up your time. Absolutely. <laughs> I go back to the car and he take me to another house. And as I went to one of the houses, he started honking. And I waved to him. Yeah, okay. He said, honking again. Come back here. And I went back to the car and I said, what is it? He said, it's a brick house. <laughs> I said, so? 
It's so funny. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, you're doing all these jobs and I wanted my own money, Judy. Right. Yeah. You realized how that independence was being able to support yourself. And I think and I didn't have to dance anymore. I didn't have to right. And was it in the back of your head all the time? knowing that your mother didn't do that or couldn't do that. Um, and that's why she was making you, I mean, did, did, did you realize that later on that because your mother knew what it was like to be dependent, she didn't want you to have that life? I don't really think that was it. She saw how unhappy I was. I just right. couldn't stay in this little town. And I was selling, I, I was working in, yeah. in, in a, I'd th- been thrown out of college, you know, so there was that. I shame. just can't believe that you get thrown out of this. You get, you get in all this trouble. Like, did you feel guilty? Like my mother would have made me feel like, like you, oh, you God, will have awful. no, nothing. You will have nothing. You will <laughs> my, never succeed. You know, you ruined your life. Like everything would have been that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, my grandmother used to fly me up to college on a right. plane, you know. When I got suspended, she uh, sent me a, a one-way bus ticket on a Greyhound bus yeah. to 48 hours to get home. Ugh. And I had and I'd been to a fair with this bow, and he'd won me this huge uh, bear, the Gonzaga bears. And um, I sat with this enormous bear next to me, so nobody sit next to me in the Greyhound bus Two days I traveled. When I <laughs> You're got lucky. Bus, oh my God. When I got off the bus, my mother said, You need to call your grandmother soon as you get home. Uh, I called her and my grandmother said, Well, I might as well flush that money down the toilet. <laughs> and I said, I'm, you know, I, I just, I, I, I'm when, not complaining. It was right, my right. fault. When she, your mother yes. said, You have to call your grandmother, would you get like a, uh oh, like stomach Oh, ache? yeah. Oh, oh okay. Getting into you becoming an actress, so or actor. We're not allowed to say actress anymore. I say um, actress. It says actress on my Emmys. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> fuckhead. You drove your grant. Your you you were gonna you were asked to drive your grandfather's car to Scottsdale. Right. <laughs> this is just like you're like Calamity Sharon. Um, so you're driving this car. Well, I'd broken off an engagement. Right. I was working for an independent film company that folded with my back salary. And I had just broken off a wedding engagement. And um, my grandfather, I think, I don't know. He had a new wife. My grandmother had died. And now Catholics are going to remarry after the wives. So um, even though they were separated, you know, that whole thing. so he had a, this young a wife, and I think, I think there was something planned because I was such a mess, Judy. Everything was turning shit. And my grandfather said, I need the station wagon. Go over to the Beverly Hills house, give me the station wagon, and drive it to Scottsdale. Okay, something to do. And she said, then you stay and you hang out with Mary for a couple of weeks. I said, all right, Grandpa. Well, I totaled the car on the way. <laughs> Rear-ended some guy. You know... Just when I drove up to his house, came out the front door and saw the car. And it was like a a bad movie with the steam coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noise and burst out laughing. And um, that 
night. Um, is this, should I tell the story about how? Oh I, my God, yes. Okay, because it, it was that night that changed my life. Right. Bringing the station wagon was totaled. And Mary, my, grand, my grandfather always took us to dinner in Scottsdale, always. But that night, for some reason, he went to bed early. And Mary and I sat up in solarium and she opened up a bottle of champagne. I'm 26 years old. And about halfway through the bottle, she says, Sharon, you're 26 years old and you have nothing to show for your life. Gee, hi, that's nice. What do you want to do? I don't remember, Judy, anybody asking me what I wanted to do. And she said, just say it. Just say it. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it makes any sense. It doesn't matter if it could ever right. happen. Just say it. Put it out there. And and this 26 at that time is like, oh, was you old. know, 40 now. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I said, I want to be an actress. Said, now, was so that the you? first time you had... First time I it? said it out loud. Did you have like an out of body, like I'm saying No, it? no, oh. I said it sort of cringing. Yeah, know? yeah, like, oh my but God, she, I'm ashamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be an actress. She said, so why don't you do it? I said, Mary, I'm 26 years old. You know, I mean, I'm a little old starting that business. She said, well, Sharon, I was under contract to MGM when I was your age. Wow. I said, you were? She said, yes, I was. I wasn't very good and I only lasted a year. She said, why don't you do it? And I said, well, Grandpa, being in the industry like he was, said it was a filthy business and to stay out of it. And he never wanted a conversation about me entering that field. So that dream I had when I was younger was just put away. And I said, and so please don't say anything to Grandpa Mary. She said, I won't. Next morning I got up and morning, good morning. She said, your grandfather would like to speak. Oh, man. Are you getting so, another stomach ache? Yeah. So I right. go into his room and he's, you know, holding court in bed. He wasn't ill. He just, right. said, you know, and he said, that's ridiculous. I said, Grandpa, I asked Mary not to say anything to you. I knew that would be your reaction. He said, I mean, it's ridiculous. You think I try to stop you? He said, so what are you going to do about it? I said, I want to go to acting school. He said, good. How are you going to pay for that? I said, well, I, I'm the secretary. I'll get a job. He said, how much is your acting school? And my cousin was an actress. And she was on Ironside. And um, I knew that the classes were three, $350 for three right. months. And uh, he said, okay, you've got $150. Now what? Well, Judy. $150 then to me was a million. Right. I had nothing. And he said, uh, so then now what are you going to do? What are you going to do while you wait for this to happen? I said, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to audition for my acting class and I'm going to get a job. He said, fine, you want to go home? And Judy, I had said I was coming to visit for two weeks. Right. I'd only been there a night. But my grandfather raced, raced thoroughbreds. He was a thoroughbred breeder. And racer, and he knew when a filly was ready to run. Right. There was something to happen in that bedroom. And he said, uh, I said, Grandpa, no, of course, I'm staying for two weeks to visit with you and Mary. He said, do you want to go home? I'm asking you for the second time. Got $150. Do you want to go home and start this dream? 
and I took all all the all the nerve I had, and I said yes. He said, "Good. Have Mary get you a ticket." And that night, I say this in my book. I'm flying out of the desert now, about to land in Los Angeles, which was my home. Right. And I knew I wasn't. I didn't have a great face or great body or anything, but I knew I wouldn't fail. I knew I was going to make it. I was looking out over the city. Yeah, that's such a. I love that. Where you and look out the windows of the look out the window and, and there see I it over Los Angeles, and this is where magic happens. Yes, you see it differently for the first time in your I life. I did, I did, and I I knew I wouldn't fail. Just something I had an epiphany. Oh, something came into my heart in my and you mind. were free. I was free. I had my hundred and fifty dollars. I had approval, and now I just had to go make my my fortune, and. A year later, I was under contract to the biggest studio in the world. You know, you you got a job that you had Thursdays off. Um, I got Thursday. Well, Thursday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. When you when you when you admit to a dream, yeah, saying you want it, I think in your whole heart, in your soul, everybody. I think all those unseen beings that are all come in. I got home. My phone's ringing. And it's a man saying, Sharon, this is Arthur Marks. He was a producer I'd worked for. Uh, and Joe. he said, I'm starting a new company. And he said, you, you're the best production assistant I've ever seen. I want you to come and work for me. I said, I can't, Mr. Marks. He said, why not? I said, you'll laugh if I tell you. He said, go ahead. I said, I'm going to be an actress. He said, I'm not laughing. So what are you going to do until that happens? I said, well, I have to get a job because my acting class is on Thursday, so I have to get a night job. He said, you've got Thursdays off, and I'm paying you for it also. And in one year. It's it's amazing. It took one year. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which... Yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen they're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great 
delicious options with no cooking required. Okay. And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay. Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. Monique James, um, who you speak about, I mean, she really was, she was your biggest. She was everything. She was everything. We never do this alone. Nobody does this. Right. And she signed me to Universal. I auditioned for it. I'd done a play. And she was scary. But she, you know, when you first uh, describe her and she says, come do this, you know, monologue. And then you change the words, the wording. I did. I rewrote it. Nobody's ever seen it. It was only done in London. Right. So you changed the words. I changed the words. It's such a Sharon thing to do. They had they had just seen it a month ago. Well, she hadn't, but her partner, the, the, the partner, Gallen, yeah, 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 had been in London seeing it with Billy Whitelaw, right? And when I finished, Eleanor Kilgallen, her partner, got up and said, "I saw it in London last month." Thank you. I went, oh, my and you're God, like, "Fuck!" I yeah. Just totally changed everything. And um, that day, I went back to uh, my office where I was the secretary. And my boss said, Monique James just called. She wants you to come back tonight. I went back and she said, we'd like to offer you a seven-year contract. I mean, it's crazy. I know. I know. First of all, That's you how get, it started. And you got on Marcus Welby, MD. I mean, like all these shows that I watched as a kid, I can't. The stories are fucking. You got, everyone has to get this book. You start on Marcus Welby, MD. Well, Marcus um, Welby had a deal with Money James. Right. Any new contract player had and to do new yeah. ones like me. I didn't even have a Screen Actors Field card. Right. You no, know, you have to have a card and all that. Marcus Welby gave me a job so I could get my Screen Actors Field card. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you talk about um, Wayne, Ro- the Wayne Rogers story to mm-hmm. me was so depressing because I loved him on MASH. And there's a story about him in the book. And it's like, it's just, it's so sad when these people in this horrible business, which granted people are treated like shit in show business, but you know, you can tell that you are so thankful. You're nice to everyone, you know, like what a fucking asshole, like your ego, you can't have an ego like that. He, I don't well, know. I think Wayne, God rest his soul. Um, he, I was thrust on him. Right. Uh, he had Lynn Redgrave fired. Yeah, right. She, that whole. She wanted to make what he made and wanted to nurse her baby on the set. Right. So, and, yeah. So he had a TV series and she was playing his other she half. She was the co-star. She was yeah. billed over the title. Right. And him. he was pissed. And, and they'd she, been in it three years together and she wanted to make. And he had her fired. Yeah, he had her fired because she wanted to breastfeed her kid, uh, you know, and bring her kid yeah, to the set. On the set. And then 
you know, you take her part and, you know, you te- you talk about a series of, uh, oh, this one got fired. Uh, let's call Sharon Glass. This one, you know, <laughs> the troubleshooting. Yeah, you. And so and this had happened so many times. But this particular one, the story about Lynn Redgrave, who you took her part and then the show was canceled. Prob- because of Wayne, essentially, and his demands and, you know, just well, the, the numbers just weren't as good. They you know, weren't I mean, good. It could have been my fault. But uh, anyway, they canceled it after a year. And you decide, all right, I'm going to have a party for everyone. They're so lovely. I did. And you don't invite Wayne. No. But you do invite the I person. I thought it would be a classy thing if I invited Lynn Redgrave. They adored her. They missed right. her. You know? And uh, so I called her and invited her. I said, I'm just having a little party, my little house on the freeway. And uh, the cast is coming and, you know, wondered if you would come and join us. Everybody misses you. And she's classier than I am. She accepted. She said, you want to do something fun? I said, sure. Lynn Redgrave. She said, you want to stage a fight? <laughs> I said, funny. Sure. Lynn Redgrave. So when her car pulled up, I could see through the window. She had arrived. And I told everybody at the party. It was property stoned by then. Um, somebody's here. Let me go check it out. And she said, you know, I went out and met her. And she said, Lynn Redgrave. Hi. And uh, she said, I said, hi, Lynn Redgrave. She said, hi, Sharon Glass. And she said, you ready? I said, sure. And we started this fight. She said, you had a party and invited everybody and not me. I said, why would I invite you? She said, that was my part. I said, your part. I said, you can't act for shit. <laughs> I said that to a red. Oh, my God. It's and it goes yeah. on and on. It goes on and, and on and, and on. And, and, and it's you. Fuck me. Yeah. And, um, and everyone in the party silent. Oh, they're just they're stunned. And, and I you slam the door. The door. <laughs> and I turned to the guest and I said, what a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. And then you just, started laughing. I mean, I love well, that. They, they were stunned. So I went and said, get in here. By the time Cagney and Lacey, and Cagney and Lacey had its own s- stuff going on. It, there was another actor who or actress who was um, Cagney. And you, again, it was going to be, okay, we want her. It was another fill-in or someone's getting right. fired. And you were like, no, no, no. And you really resisted. You know, I didn't want to play it. I was offered Cagney and Lacey um, before, first, but yeah. I was I, I had just done a pilot where I played a cop and it didn't sell. And I said, I don't want to be back on a rod. Right. So I said no. And then it was offered to me. And so they got. Um, oh, gosh, the girl from MASH. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sweat. Loretta Sweat. Loretta Sweat. So yeah. Loretta came in and played it for the movie. And then it sold. So Loretta had to go back to MASH. So Barney came again to ask me if I'd play it. And I was replacing Lynn Redgrave, so I wasn't available. Right. So then, uh, well, anyway, Cagney's got canceled again, and he approached me a third time, and finally I wised up. um, They wanted to replace, they they wanted to replace, uh, I hate to tell the story because Meg Foster is such a wonderful actress, but um, they were too similar. Yeah, Megan they said Tynes. that you said that in the book that that, that her and Tyne's character they, they were too similar. But it, you also tell the story about Michael Douglas. You're doing this na- nude scene with Michael Douglas, and your boobs are sticking to him, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and 
He, uh, you, and you ask him, you're like, I'm not going to do Cagney and Lacey because I'm, I'm a movie. I want to be a movie star. I did. And he, I said, I always want to be in pictures. And now here I am in your feature. And I'm supposed to start this show called Cagney and Lacey in a week. What do you think I should do? And he said, have you ever heard of the streets of San Francisco? I said, sure. He said, enough said. And that was it. You Cagney and your Lacey big boobs. changed my life. Yeah. Your love for Tyne and respect for Tyne Daly is so apparent in the book. You talk a lot about developing that character of and and how I mean, it's it's really important, I think, that younger women read this book. And also the fact that you felt such a responsibility that here are two women, two completely different women. Who are starring in a show? They're they're both. I, I get you know they're independent. You're you're more, you know you're more of the free spirit of uh, my life. My life was free. Right. Time. She was married they're, with babies. Right. And you, the way you develop and the fact that it's the way you talk about what the not a, it wasn't a burden, but you felt a responsibility to make sure that that she was portrayed. As you know, it was a positive portrayal, and the fact that Barney was so—he didn't make you wear. I mean, I love that. It would really—I can't like. I don't think you know. I mean, I remember that show, and I would not miss that show. I was, you know, in my twenties and early twenties, and it Your was baby. It was a big part of my life. And I can't tell you, it was so, I am woman, hear me roar. It meant so much to me, that show. You're- we didn't realize, I don't think we realized the impact we were having. Oh, it huge. was, it was huge. I mean, it also made me think, wow, you know, and that's what you wanted. I There could be a show with starring two women that's hugely successful, even though they wanted to cancel it. And b- brilliant Barney decides, you know, we're getting all this fan mail. Let's send it, send it to the newspapers. And they he did. He, he told the people who had written him, he said, thank you. He wrote a form letter. He called time. He called me saying, did you guys get any mail? Yeah. He said, well, I'm sending a driver over. I, I, may I have it? And he said, sure. And he wrote, a, a, it had to be a form letter because of so many people. Right. But he wrote each one of them. He had it mailed to each one of them saying, Write your affiliate station and write your local newspaper because you do have a voice. Right. By God, everybody did it. And all the mail started pouring into CBS. And, and, and CBS said we'd made a mistake. Yeah, there was a lot of complaint. I mean, it and the way you talk about the character and the there's just so many details about the you know, you drank out of a styrofoam, you drank your coffee out of a styrofoam cup and and uh, Mary Tyne, Beth Tyne chose to. Yeah, Mary she, Beth she had, had, a, had a mug because she's married with kids, and just all the decision, every detail. I have to say thank you to you because oh my God, thank it, you. It, it had it was whatever you put in. It showed, and it had. I think it had an, a profound impact on people. You know, who I had wanted- I had to start. I had to start. Um, watching time more carefully because I could see the similarities between Megan and time. Right. And you and didn't so want I, that. No. So I deliberately just made 
physical choices just to start some sort of a, whenever time would fold her arms, I'd put my hands in my pocket. Right. It was an attitude anyway that I enjoyed. And we just started with stuff like that. I, I think I see it in my book, but then Tyne Daly, I'll tell you how generous she was. I knew I was getting the feel of Cagney. And yeah. knew Cagney was reckless. Um, she was a great cop, but she was reckless. And I went to Tyne and I said, Tyne, I need to ask you a favor. I said, what is it? I said, may I enter first when we're running? May I enter the door first? Not every time, but most of the time. She said, well, for obvious reasons, I don't like that. I said, I don't blame you. But I think that's who this woman is. And I think you're a, a, a more cautious cop. You have children. And, and Cagney's just balls out, you know. Right. She, um, you got nothing and, to lose. No. And uh, Tyne said, you ask that of me, I'll say yes. Is it, I mean, it was huge. I huge. mean, that's so generous. Oh, yeah. Took balls to ask it, I'll tell you. Right, I know. But it was very, very generous of her. And she said, for obvious reasons, I don't like it. But we got to make this show work. And you sure did. And she won three times. And then you finally won yeah. your. God bless her. Yeah. Your acceptance speech at the Emmys, um, because she <laughs> won three times. and you <laughs> Three in a row. Yeah. You finally won, and you kind of had a feeling you were going to win. I remember exactly what yeah. I said. You want me to repeat it? Yes! All right. I, I remember. I, I just remember. First of all, she'd won three times in a row. And um, I got the Emmy, and I remember I went to the mic, and I said, I would like to thank my partner, Time Daly who I am sure is the most relieved woman sitting in this room tonight. <laughs> and Tyne told me she was going to say, if she wanted a fourth time, she was going to say, I, I want to apologize to everyone I've ever met. <laughs> that, um, brilliant. Um, you all, I mean. And then I wanted, then I wanted again the next year. And she and I both thought I'd win the third. Yeah. Time won the first three, then I won the next two. We thought then the next year I'd win, so we'd each tie. Right. And I didn't. It went back to time. Right. But, um, the nice thing is that the six years we were on the air, no other woman ever won on the end. Yeah, that's amazing. That's time or me. And, and I'm not saying it's because we're so brilliant. We were given the material. Nobody was writing for women. Right. There was one actress who I ran into at a Golden Globe thing after Cagney's been canceled. And um, I was there that evening, and she came up to me. She said, I'm so glad you guys are canceled. That's hilarious. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You talk about that you rehearsed together, you worked on your relationship. You know, you rehearsed with Tyne after, like at four in the morning when you were done with, because- Every night. Yeah. 
And we shot sometimes 18 hours a day. Yes. And you'd go and into your trailer. That, and everybody was gone. Then she and I would meet and rehearse the next Yeah. Week. You also talk about the love story of you and Barney is, mm. it's so beautiful. It is. Well, it depends on where you're sitting. I know. But, um, but you know, you can't help who you fall in love with. No. No. But you've had yeah, some it was, really... It was, it was rough. It was yeah, just, I'm and, sure it, it was sad and rough and horrible. But, but it's been 4D. We're married 30 years now. Right. So it was meant... To, it was beshared, meant to be. And... Um, <laughs> You went on to do Queer as Folk, where you played the mother that every every LGBTQ person wished they had, uh, an accepting, loving mother. Um, well, she was a little outrageous. Right, she I'm was crazy. Surprised when people say, oh, God, I wish my mom were like you. Really? Well, just because they wanted the love. They wanted yeah. to be accepted. Um, you I know met you. hard I used? you know who I used to play that role? Who? My mother. No. Oh, wow. My, I used my mother. Now, my mother, I swear to God, I used my mother's heart. The character. Right, right. Totally unlike my mother. Right, right, right. But I used my mother's heart because I remember what it was like being loved by her. And I used that to, to love my boy. I know this is a really ridiculous question, but if you, do you think your mother would have accepted you if you were a lesbo? Um, I think it would have been hard on her. But she never would have been that type that's like, don't ever talk no, to me. No, she never yeah. would have uh, disowned me or, no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not that I know your mother, but we're new your mother. Um, you, I met you on the Rosie Cruise for, I think, the first I time. And yeah. I, of course, starstruck. And Please. you, I mean, you're this, first of all, you're an icon on so many levels because- I mean, your body of work is unbelievable, but you've also sort of a gay icon and you're not gay. You know, it's just, I know it's, and when it's I so used to have interviews on Cagney and Lacey, the press said, of course you're gay. I said, no, I'm festive. Um, but I said, no, I'm not. And they, nobody believed me. I didn't care. That was, that was my audience. Okay. Right. God bless them. But so many other people would have been defensive and. Oh no. But you were always there when it wasn't cool to be there. You're like you were never. And it was, it's as a lezzy, hmm. um, you know, uh, just having people like you uh, before it was cool you know, and hip to be a, a friend of the LGBT community, it meant a lot. And well, thank you. you um, the lesbian audience was a big, one of the main reasons for the success of Cagney and Lacey. Right. They loved Chris Cagney. The right. men used to write time. Right. And the women would write me. Yeah. And um, well, then, you got that right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was lucky enough to get Queer folk, which I went after. The love in this book, the love stories in this book are so. I mean, they're great. I, I might even have to kiss Elisa after um, <laughs> this <laughs> because there's so much love in here and passion, uh, and also, you know, 
dealing with your alcoholism and the fact that you grew up. I mean, we didn't talk earlier about that your grandmother drank. Like everyone drank. There was a lot of drinking. Yeah, but they were they were problem drinkers. My mom, I think. Right. Well, being a Jew. She was, she was my mother just sipped all day long. Right. Uh, and as Jew, we just eat. That's all we do. We can't, you know, we can't function on the alcohol. So we just fucking think about food 24 hours a day. But, um, you know, but it's, I mean, there's, you know, Hector and I, there's just so many beautiful stories in this book. And, and the story of, you know, your doctor thank you. saying, you know, you better quit drinking, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, what I opened the book with it. Um, yeah, that's the first thing you talk about. It's, 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 it, it, if, you ever, if you ever have another drink again, don't call me. Again. I don't do suicide. Right. Jeez. That, Jeez. you know, okay. you've had some divine intervention. Yeah, I thought it was a little harsh. But. Um, so I, 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 I quit. I, I mean, it's the second time I quit. Right. I mean, there's one photo in there and you say you're holding a bottle and you're like, oh, I recognize that face because that yeah. was my, um, I first, before I know we have to go, but I have to say, I always ask my podcast guests two questions. So I'm going to ask you my two questions, but I also want to say best interviewer. May I say that before? You no, say? you're the best, just the best. Thank you. I love you. I just, I love you too. I just love you and I love your everything work. you've accomplished. And, you know, that whole, you know, you talking about your husky voice and your body and, you know, I'm, I'm a jug, I'm six two and I'm, you know, the inside doesn't match the outside a lot of the time. And I just, and you've been, you've been, I've been a huge fan of yours for so, I, I love you so much. So and thank I you. I have yours. I interrupted you. You wanted to ask me something and I interrupted Well, no, I will. And I'm telling you, you're, I'm writing a uh, original series and you're going to be on it. Yay. I've been, I've been writing and writing and I, I'm done. And you know, you just the way you say, if you just put it out, if you just accept it and put it out and admit it, it'll happen. You know, like, and you're right. You got to fucking tone those stupid voices down in your head. Um, okay. These are my two questions. We're very pro mental health on my podcast. So what do you, we okay. always talk, ask what you do for your I'll mental health. I'll try and health. fit in. You well, know, yeah, I'm yeah, on I antidepressants. I take my antidepressant. Yes. What I do you want? I take my antidepressant every morning. I can't remember. I have to go look it up. Oh, all right. It's fine. Do you want me to go get it? No, you don't have to get it. I'm on Paxil and I take Trazodone. No, it's not Paxil. It, it begins with an M. Mal- oh, Metformin, no. would it be? Metformin is for diabetes. Oh, then it starts with D. Starts with a D. Whatever. We're just happy you're on antidepressants. I'm on that one too. You're on that one too? Desvenylfaxalin or something? No, it's not that difficult a word. Oh, no. Elisa only speaks in the um, scientific name of the drug. It is the most (laughs) fucking annoying thing in the entire world. (laughs) I'm not kidding. She has to say the entire whatever chemical makeup it is of the fucking drug. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Aspirin. I'm like, you're an asshole. Okay. Um, all right. So you yes, do. Uh, so antidepressants. Um, every morning. 
me uh, every night for me. Um, and then I call the podcast Kill Me Now because, as you know, you've seen my act. I get aggravated over every fucking thing. So I wonder what I pisses you off more than anything in the entire, like makes you so fucking angry. Ageism. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, right? Unkindness. I don't yeah. understand it. Um, so unnecessary. There's always something else you can say besides hurting somebody. It just And uh, it's harder to be nasty. It. it takes more effort to be an asshole than it does yeah. to be nice. I to don't someone. I don't like um um I don't like uh um accent so much on weight. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I just do. I'm in an age now where I say fuck them. But it was such, it, it's so much pressure on women. Right. Besides, unkindness, uh, yeah. making, making fun of people who are ageism. Ageism is the, you know, it's really, I, I, I'm so I'm glad so- you said that because, like, as a comedian, you get funnier as you get older because older you don't because- care anymore. And you have so much life experience and there's nothing you can say to me that I haven't heard. And yet they, no, you're, you're old, Sharon. I, I want everyone to buy your book. I want every woman, every woman, uh, in show business to read this book. And you are such a good storyteller. And Lisa said, that's how I got that book. Yeah. You're such a great storyteller. And Elisa said, how does she remember everything? That's what she said to me. How does she remember everything? I, I don't think, you can't forget that shit. I know. You just can't forget it. You don't. It's not like I went someplace to research it. It's right. all in my soul. Right. Exactly. It's in her soul, Elisa. Yeah. And her voice is great on the Yeah, Elisa. Yeah, yeah, you fucking. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Um, I really want to get together. I, I know that you can't have any martinis anymore, but, um, I will have, I would, I know. I know you miss your martinis. I'd love to buy you a martini though, honey. Yeah. But you do the gin. I do. I like vodka. I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm a Jew. I can't with the. You're a sissy. I know. I know, but I'm a real martinis. Are, is gin. My mother liked the gin. Yeah. Right. But you're I so love the way it made me feel. But you know the most painful thing I had to do in rehab they made us do is write a letter saying goodbye to our best friend, which was the bottle. Because no, have your letter. No, I had to turn it in. They and they Hazleton has the letter, or I don't know what they did. Did they that read was it? One of our assignments. Of course. Oh yeah. That would be something good to put in like a, a bottle that you, you know, that people could find in 200 years. It was like a friend. What else made me feel better than that? Right. You know? But now, now you have real friends. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And they I don't. Real friends. And who talk back. I love you so much. And I, I can't thank you enough. I love, I hope this book's it makes sells a billion copies. You deserve every you're you're amazing. Thank you. So are you. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the one, the only, the incredible, the talented, the 
I can't even go on. Sharon Glass, uh, such such an exciting interview for me. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast, my life, my love, my work could not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. I don't even know what that meant, but I meant it. If you haven't subscribed, go fuck yourself. If you haven't given me five stars, fuck yourself harder with something, with your computer. If you haven't purchased my book, yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Really? Come on. Also, please, you know, check out my website, judygold.com. It's a really original name, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com. Unlike my Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok, which are at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. I will be at City Winery in Manhattan, in New York City, this Thursday, March 10th. I will be in New Hope, Pennsylvania, March 12th and 13th, but the 12th is sold out, so, you know, go to the 13th show, because it's going to be really fun. I'm going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, on uh, March 26th, so check out my website, check out my Insta, and my TikTok, and my Twitter. And um, if you're still listening, I fucking love you. And if you're the one person who listens, I fucking love you. Let me know who you are. Please write to me and tell me you're the one who listens. I also want to say I am thinking about all the people in the Ukraine, all the innocent people. Putin is a fucking piece of shit. And, you know, I just wish, I wish this wasn't going on in this world. I wish we... I just wish people were better. I really do. Please take care of yourselves. Please take care of the planet. The planet. The planet that we all share. It's not fair. I feel bad for my kids. And my grandkids that I haven't seen yet. And I don't want to see for a while. Don't get any ideas, kids. But, you know, stay safe. Get boosted if you're not boosted. Wear your fucking mask when you're in the subway in public places. That's it. I really, I can't thank you enough for listening. I feel like PBS, this is a listener-supported podcast. The more listeners, the more likely I am to stay on the air, even though we're not on the air, we're not in the air. Uh, we are just a part of the fucking podcast world, but I can't. I thank you, thank you for your love and support. And as we always say... So long, ga 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 ga.